good morning. Why don't you stand to your feet as we sing this morning to our Father in heaven. Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry. Drink of the water, come and thirst no more. Come all you sinners, come find his mercy. Come to the table, he will satisfy. Taste of his goodness, find what you're looking for. Courage and kindness, strength and gentleness, 
fortitude and tenderness. A father, a leader, and a lifelong teacher, a comforter, and a patient listener, a hero, and a world changer, a gift from God above. Being a father is a high and holy calling. It is not only a blessing, but also a stewardship. Fatherhood is a precious opportunity and a divine responsibility because it is one of the many ways that God watches over all of us. A father is a protector and a provider, a hard worker and a family man, a role model and a faithful friend. And so from all of us to all of you, thank you to the fathers. Happy Father's Day to everyone, uh, males, that is. So, happy Father's Day uh, to all. Hope you are able to spend this day with your fathers, and if not, able to recollect and recall the wonderful times that you've had uh, with your father. Um, but welcome uh, to everyone to our worship services this morning. Um, and if you are visiting with us, we invite you to take a care card that is in the pew back in front of you. And if you would fill out the information on this care card and either put it in the, welcome, the, the giving boxes in the foyer of our sanctuary or hand them to one of our staff, um, we would love to have recollection of your visit. So if you would take time to do that if you're visiting today. And then on the opposite side of the care card is a place for anyone to fill out any prayer need or prayer concern that you might have uh, of course, we would like to know about that as well. So please get those back to us. And uh, like I said, our staff would love to pray for you guys. Um, as far as announcements go this week, there's, there's not a whole lot going on. Big thing coming up is our BBS. Uh, and that starts next Monday night. Our theme for this year is Twist and Turns. Uh, and BBS is July 26th through the 29th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. If you've not yet registered your child ages 4 through 7th grade, uh, you can do so in two ways. We have uh, registration forms in the lobby uh, at the welcome desk, or you can go online and register your child. Um, but we certainly want to make BBS a highlight of our year. So many people come to faith in Christ uh, through the arm of Vacation Bible School. So I know it's going to be an incredible week. Uh, so if even if you have neighbors um, that are in this age group, get out there and invite them to come and just let them know how that they can register and be a part of VBS. Uh, VBS is also for adults. Uh, they all have an adult class as well going on at the same time as our, as our kids are meeting. Uh, there's no registration for that, so just show up for that. That's going to be a good week of Bible study as well. You can also register for the snack suppers. That will be starting at 5.15 each night uh, before VBS. 
and it's $16 to cover four meals. That's a pretty good deal. Uh, the meals will be breakfast for supper. Uh, there's going to be 80s-style school pizza, chicken and cheese quesadillas, and a pasta bar. So uh, it's going to be a good time of fellowship, too, around the table. And it's easy that you don't have to go home. You can just come here, eat your dinner, do BBS. So, but we do need to know how many to prepare for. So if you would register for that online as well, that would be wonderful. Um, this past week, we had a mission team just get back from Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, they were involved in helping First Baptist of Anchorage, Alaska prepare for Vacation Bible School themselves. Uh, they're having Vacation Bible School this week, but they helped prepare them to get ready for uh, VBS. And then we also had uh, some of our guys do some construction work, um, but we look forward uh, to hearing from them in the future about this mission trip. And also, uh, we have another uh, mission team that's headed out to Alaska on July or June 24th. And they're going to Saldatna, uh, Alaska. And at the end of this service, we're going to have a commissioning prayer for them. So I know that uh, you will be wanting to pray for them and um, as they do their mission in Saldatna, Alaska. Last item is um, Matt and Darian Tucker. Uh, and their boys will be uh, leaving us at the end of the summer or uh, the 1st of August because they have been called uh, to Locust Grove Baptist Church in Weaverville, North Carolina. They will begin their ministry there, uh, and uh, their gain is our loss. Uh, Matt has been interning here at the church this year uh, throughout different areas of the church, and right now he is serving as our youth intern, doing an outstanding job. Uh, I look forward to what the Lord does in his life and in the life of his family as they serve him there in Weaverville. But they begin their duties there the 1st of August. On uh, June 8th, uh, we had the privilege, uh, deacons and staff had the privilege of talking to Matt uh, about his ordination. And uh, we drilled him with some, some serious questions. So he sat through his ordination council on, on June the 8th. And the deacons and the staff wholeheartedly support us going forward with this process. And at the end of this service, you will have an opportunity to be a part of that process too. As, as a church body, you will vote on the recommendation to uh, ordain Matt Tucker. Uh, and then on July 2nd, we will have an ordination service in this room at 5 o'clock. And I know you will want to be a part of that special day uh, to see a homegrown uh, youngin like that be faithful to the Lord um, Kevin Seeger said he has known him since he was one years old here at Pitts Baptist so he has literally grown up in this church and it's so encouraging to see uh, folks like Matt uh, go out and, and serve the Lord uh, but be praying for him and his family as they make that transition so um, as we prepare our hearts uh, for worship won't you take just a moment to bow your head silently before the Lord Pray to him and thank him for this day. Thank him for the fathers that we've had. Thank him for that salvation that is ours through the Lord Jesus. Distill your hearts. Be still and know that he is God. Father, indeed, we pause and just say thank you. For you are a good, good father. 
Father, we know that in your word you tell us that all good and perfect gifts come from above. And in that, Father, we uh, include our earthly fathers. We thank you, Father, for them. We thank you, God, for the example that they provided us in loving you and serving you and giving to you. But, Lord, in their humanness, we know uh, they, they failed in some way. But, Lord, we know that you haven't and you won't. You are never changing. You're always loving, always kind and gracious. And we thank you and praise you that we can put our hope and our faith and our trust in you because you are perfect in all your ways. And we thank you and praise you, Father. Lord, we thank you that we can come and gather in this beautiful building to worship you. And I pray, Father, that our hearts and our minds are stilled and ready to receive the word that you have given to our pastor to give to us. And I pray, Father, that we take those words and apply them to our life, that we might be made, molded into the image of your Son, the Lord Jesus. And we thank you, Father, for the salvation that is ours through him, through his death on the cross that satisfied your wrath that should have been ours. But you poured it out on to him so that we might be justified and made righteous. So, Lord, for that, we worship you and thank you. God, I pray that the name of Christ is exalted this morning. And I pray, Father, that if there's anyone here that does not have a relationship with you, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, that you would bring them to faith in Christ this morning. Lord, I pray that the, uh, the meditations of our heart and the words that come from our mouth will honor you. For you alone, Father, are worthy of our praise. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tremble not for him, his 
voices to your heavenly Father this morning. Sing to him.
choir. Take your Bibles out and turn with me to Matthew 7, if you would please. We'll take a little pause from our series going through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, let me add my happy Father's Day to those that have already said that. And uh, for some of you, you'll graduate one day and become a pawpaw. And uh, you'll see why that's such a big deal when it happens. But happy Father's Day, happy Paul Day, or whatever you're called. But anyway, f- I, I want to bring a message this morning entitled, Dads, What Kind of Builder Are You? What kind of builders are you? Matthew chapter 7, and we're going to pick up reading in verse 24. And just simply read down through verse 27 is all this morning. And so if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word, please. Uh, Jesus said, everyone, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. I want you to notice how he's setting this up here. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Now listen to this next one. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Thank you. You may be seated. Folks, what's so interesting about this section of the Sermon on the Mount is to understand what Jesus has been doing here for the past number of verses. You see, this is a section of great contrast. Jesus will put two images side by side with one another, and he's not comparing them, he's contrasting them. For example, previously he spoke about two gates. Two gates and two kinds of roads. In all of life, we come to crossroads, and each road has a gate, and one is wide. And it is so much easier to go through that gate. In fact, Jesus said many travel through that gate and on down the road to destruction. And then he went on to say the other gate, the narrow gate, leads to a narrow road that leads to heaven. And actually, there are few that travel that. Now, folks, how many times in society today, as you listen to conversations of people who have lost loved ones, and they may be unbelievers, and they'll say, yes, dad or granddad or grandma is is in heaven today. It's like everybody just assumes everybody is going to heaven. Jesus said just the opposite. There's actually few that go through the narrow gate and travel the narrow road that leads to eternal life. 
Well, that's one of the comparisons. The next would be two trees. There are two different kinds of trees. And he says one bears bad fruit. And they, those trees bear bad fruit because they're bad trees. They're corrupt trees. And then there are trees that bear good fruit. They bear good fruit because they're, are, they're good trees. The fruit of one's life is an indicator of what that person's heart condition is. Someone who's genuinely born again will have a life that bears good fruit. And then he speaks about two different crowds of people. One crowd that in that day says, Lord, Lord. They say it with their lips, but they don't know the Lord. They don't know the Lord at all. And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. And then the other group calls on the Lord, Lord, Lord. But they know him, they hear the words, well done. Because theirs is more than just a profession with their lips. It's a reality with their lives. They've been born again. They've been changed. And then Jesus comes to this image or this contrast of two different kinds of builders. Both of them are in the classroom of the Lord. Both hear the master's words. We might even imagine them being in the same church, even the same Sunday school class. You see, as Dr. John R.W. Stott writes in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus isn't just simply contrasting believers from unbelievers here. That would be the case if Jesus were contrasting those who heard the word from those who didn't. But he's pointing out that both builders hear the word. And so as Stott points out, we've got to assume that Jesus is also giving a warning even to those within the church. Among those who hear the word, there are true believers, there are false believers. Just as Jesus previously pointed out, with the two groups saying, Lord, Lord. Both hear the same sermon. Both have a copy of God's word in their hands. Much of their life might look identical almost from the outside. One builder hears but then departs to go about his life and live his life as he wants to. The other builder hears. But hearing's not enough for him. He puts into practice what he's heard. And so his life survives the judgment of the Lord. Whereas the other careless builder suffers the loss of everything in the great judgment of the Lord that is coming. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. I want us to look further at these two images uh, of builders, a wise and a foolish. And dads, we're going to see that a life built upon Jesus Christ and his word is a life that's built on the proper foundation and is therefore prepared for anything. Because men, I want to tell you something, storms are coming. They are a normal part of life. In fact, I might be talking to somebody who is in a storm right now. And I would ask you, are you prepared for that? Is your family prepared for that? Now let's pull out some principles from, from this image here about builders. 
the first, of, uh, first principle I want you to see is that everyone is a builder. Look again at verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now look down at verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. What do they have in common? In fact, what do we all have in common? We are all builders. These two characters here sum up all of humanity. It's like Jesus said in Matthew 25, when we stand before the Lord on one side, there will be the sheep. On the other side, there will be the goats. There's no other group. There's no middle ground. The Lord divides all of humanity into just Two groups, those who are prepared for life and eternity and those who are not. Now, folks, that's about as basic as it gets. Notice that, again, that both men in the parable are builders. And the houses in the story are metaphors for life. You know, there are some things in life you can't control and I can't control. And, and the, the thing that we can't control is that we are builders, all of us. To live is to build. Your life is like a house under construction. And every day that you live is like a new brick that's being put into place. Every action that you take, every word that you speak, every thought that you have is all a part of the building process. Now, men, when we look at life that way, it forces us to stop and think about everything we do, doesn't it? Everything we do, we see the seriousness of it. Because we're building characters. We're building habits. We're building lifestyles. Every single day in our homes, we are building something. Every ball game you go to, every family outing, every church outing, uh, church service you bring your family to, everything, everything you do, you are building. If you are using the right building materials, you're a builder if you're not using the right building materials. Nonetheless, you are still a builder. You may be building with wood, hay, and stubble. And if you're building with wood, hay, and stubble, you're not going to end up with a spiritually stable life. Let me give a financial example. Now, this is not about finances, but just an example. Here's a young couple who gets married, and as they get married, maybe they've, they've been used to having a lot of stuff in their parents' homes because their parents have been building wealth for decades upon decades. And here's this young couple. They get married, and what do they want to do in their marriage? They want to make a lateral move, materially speaking, but they can't. They don't have have that many years of accumulating things under their belt and so what do many young couples today do they take out this plastic card and that plastic card and this one and this one and this one and finally they rack up debt so big buying things they can't afford until they look at one another one day on the brink of bankruptcy and they wonder how they got to where they are well we know how they got to where they are 
They got where they are with every purchase that they made. That's how they got where they are. Every purchase was like a brick in their financial house that they were building. And again, that's just a financial analogy of how we all are in life with everything. We're building every day. And as the Bible points out, one day you'll have to give an account and I'll have to give an account for what we have built. The one thing we can't control is the fact that we are builders. Again, to live and breathe is to be a builder. That's a principle we don't have any control over. It's just a reality. It comes with life. Now for a principle that we do have a little bit of control over. I want you to see, secondly, not all builders are the same. Look again at verse 24 and 26. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. Look down at verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. You see, we want to put everybody in the same box. The Lord does not put everybody in the same box. Everybody is not in the same box. Everybody doesn't live the same way. They don't conduct their affairs the same way. They don't handle life. They don't approach life. They don't approach their spiritual lives in the same way. We're different. And that's what Jesus is pointing out here. First of all, he mentions the wise builder. Notice what he does. He builds his house upon the rock. And and notice who Christ says this man is. He's the man who hears the words of Christ and it changes his life. He shapes his life based upon what Jesus has told him in his word. You know, in Matthew 5.20, Jesus said that our righteousness has got to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. In other words, we need more than just religion. We need a relationship with God that changes our lives. And that's what this wise builder understands. He understands exactly what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, born from above, born of the Spirit, he will not see the kingdom of God. Dads, let me ask you a question this morning. If the wise builder is the one who has heard the Lord's word and done it, have you done what God's word says in order to be saved? Have you been born again? I didn't ask you if you just simply made a mental decision. You know, one of the great travesties in the evangelical church today is that we just simply talk about conversion, just making a decision. You know, make, it, make this decision and, and pray this prayer and, hey, you're in. You know, walk the aisle of the church and, and make it public and be baptized. You're in. But that's not what I'm asking you, dads. Have you been born again? Have you been converted? Has God done that surgery on your heart that the prophet Jeremiah said he takes out the heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh has God converted you regenerated you made you a new man has that happened with you are you just like a scribe or a Pharisee religious but that's all you're checking the boxes but no heavenly exchange has really taken place in your life 
Dads has that taken place. That's the starting point. And have you yielded your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? If you're born again, if you're converted, you're a wise builder. You have put your life onto the right foundation who is Christ. And now the challenge continues for you to allow the word of God to mold and shape your life. Allowing it to bring direction and correction to your life. That's how to be a wise builder. You see, a wise builder looks down the road and he realizes something. He realizes that his house needs a solid foundation. Because if a house is going to stand, it needs the right foundation. Oh sure, it would be a whole lot faster, a whole lot easier, a whole lot more convenient to just start constructing some type of edifice but the wise builder realizes that the structure has got to rest on something that is worthy of that structure it's got to be solid I marvel sometimes at these mansions that people will build on cliff sides like in California and rains and mudslides will come and these multi-million dollar mansions will just slide right down into the ocean. And then they'll go right back and do the same thing all over again. Haven't they learned anything? The wise builder builds on a solid foundation. He digs down, he finds the rock, and he lays the proper footings, and he goes from there. It takes time, it takes a lot of effort, it takes a lot of attention, but in the long term, it's well worth it. You know, I couldn't believe when we were building this building and then the core, how long the construction company took with the foundation. There were some days I'd drive by here and I'd look at the property here, where, again, whether this building or the core, and I would think, is it ever going to get built? It just seemed like they were working on the foundation forever. Are they ever going to move on and start building something? And you know what? Uh, a foundation is never that much to look at, is it? I mean, nobody takes their phone out and takes a selfie at the foundation and posts on Instagram, oh man, look at this foundation, look at me standing here. Nobody does anything like that. But the foundation is the most critical part of the entire process. If the foundation is not right, trouble is coming in the future. And the wise builder understands that. Then there's the foolish builder, verse 26. In, in, incidentally, when Jesus talks about the foolish builder, you know what the Greek word is, the way it comes over into English? You're going to think I'm joking here, and I'm not. We get our word moron from this word, the foolish builder. Moron. That's literally the word. 
Verse 26 says, Everyone who hears the word of the Lord, does not put it into practice, can be like a foolish man, a moron, who built his house on the sand. Here's a guy who just wants to get the structure up. He wants to get the visible part of the house going. The part of the house that everybody's going to ooh and ah over and be so impressed by. And, and so he goes out and surprisingly he's not concerned about all this work up front with the with the site planning with the foundation he just starts putting brick and, and and block and wood in place on top of the ground which in this case Jesus says nothing more than sand he might be proud at how fast his house is going up man it looks to everybody like he's making wonderful progress but never mind that he's got a fatal flaw in his process from the very beginning. Again, maybe he's just in a hurry. You know, it amazes me today how from time to time I'll talk to somebody and, and, and they'll say, Preacher, you know, I know we've been out of church for months, even years now. We've gotten busy with this. We've gotten busy with that. You know what, Preacher? We just don't have time anymore for church. We don't have time to serve the Lord. We don't have time. I, in my business life, I don't even have time hardly to read the Bible or pray anymore. We just don't have time. And I want to say, are you kidding me? Do you, do you hear what you are are saying you're saying that the foundation you've just let that go and forgotten about it you know there's other foundations that people build on today you you've heard me talk about some of the isms before that people are building on today intuitionism People who use their feelings to be their guide and their authority in life. It's the old saying, if it feels good, if it feels right to you, you just feel it in your gut, just do it. It must be okay. Do you realize some people are building their lives on what feels right to them? That's their guide. That's their compass. But remember what Jeremiah the prophet again said. The heart is deceptively wicked. Who can trust it? You can't trust your feelings. Your feelings have been tainted by the enemy. Your feelings have been tainted by sin. You can't trust your intuitionism to be your loyal guide in life. Your feelings, your gut will lead you astray. But nonetheless, that's what some people are building their, their lives upon. Again, you can't build your life on what you feel is truth. Truth is truth regardless of how you feel about it. Truth is truth. Truth has to match. Your feelings have to match reality. A situation is not necessarily true just because I feel like it is true. Intuitionism is a sandy foundation and it will come crumbling down when the storms come. Another one is existentialism. Their experiences, they're believing that their experiences as they've gone through life are a reliable guide to be their foundation, their experiences. 
here's a person that, that uh, they, they just think this, this can be my infallible guide in life. There are some kids, some kids you come to a day like Mother's Day or Father's Day, and you know what, they might, they might have very bad images of Mother's Day or Father's Day because maybe they come from an abused home. And so when we have either Mother's Day or Father's Day, they, they just, their, their experience was bad. And you know what? They, they claim that, that or they, they, they feel by their experience that all dads must be bad. But I want to tell you something. He's the perfect father. I spoke to a senior adult man right before the service today. One of the most well-respected senior adult men in our church. And he said, Pastor, I want to tell you something. For years after I was converted as a young adult, he said, I really had a lot of problems in my life thinking about God as my father because I grew up in such an abusive home with an abusive dad. And he said, I knew that was a cycle that, praise God, I had to break in, in my family, with my kids. And he said, praise God, we broke that cycle. We changed generations of child abuse in my family that had been in my family and even up in generations above me. And my wife and I, we broke that cycle and we gave our kids a good home. He's a perfect father. He's a perfect father. And if you've had a bad experience with an earthly father, you can rest assured today on this Father's Day that in God you have a perfect father. He is a good, good God and he loves you. Others build their lives on rationalism. Human reason is their God. If they can't explain it, if it doesn't make sense to them intellectually, if they can't put all the pieces together just right to their intellectual understanding, they're not going to accept it. Rationalism. Still others, pragmatism. This is the feeling that, hey, if something works and gets the job done, it's okay. In other words, it's the result you're after, not necessarily whether something's right or wrong. And so the pragmatist might say, hey, if cheating is what it takes to get by in life, I'll cheat. Others buy into materialism. Their whole life is centered around the accumulation of wealth because they have refused for one reason or another to believe in God. And they think this life is all there is. And so the whole point of this life is simply to get as much as you can and be as comfortable as you possibly can. All of those are sandy foundations. All of those isms of the day. And folks, I'm telling you, when the storms come, those foundations are not going to hold you up because they are all sandy foundations. And your house will collapse. And what's so sad is we look around us today in the world, so many are building their lives upon one of those isms. 
Again, what's the point? Not all builders are are the same. Some are wise. Some are foolish. And now the third principle I I really want to get around to today. Storms arrive and storms reveal. Look at verse 25. And the rain fell and the floods came and winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Look at verse 27. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. You notice here that the day of testing, the moment of truth, comes for both builders. And that's so true to life. Just like everybody is a builder, everybody at some point in life is going to experience trials. Trials are a normal part of the human experience. Regardless of your age, your sex, your race, you're going to face trials. If you got a little bit of money or a lot of money, guess what? You're going to face trials. All you got to do to face trials is simply live long enough. And again, I want you to notice who experienced trials here. Was it just the guy who built on sand? No, it was both builders. James chapter 1 says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, whenever you fall into various trials. James is pointing out a reality there again that that Jesus is pointing out here. We're all going to face trials in life, all of us. And James says we need to have the right attitude whenever we fall into them. We don't go looking for them, we just fall into them. And James describes them as being uh, of various sorts, all different shapes and sizes and colors. Uh, The trial, um, when James is talking about various trials, he's using a Greek word that we literally get our word polka dot from. Trials in life come in all different shapes, sizes, and colors. Life is different. Dotted with trials. Again, it's a reality. They're all around us. It may be cancer. It might be a divorce. It might be a child on drugs. It might be a a job loss. On and on I could go. They're, They're varied. They're all around us. And somebody wisely once said, if we could all take our trials and lay them out on a big long table so we could look at everybody's, we would probably end up taking our own trials back. The presence or the absence of trials, hear me in this, is no indicator of somebody's spiritual condition in their life. Somebody might think of a couple in the church and they're going through all kinds of heavy trials. And and you might be tempted to think in your mind, what have they done wrong? What's wrong with them? Well, maybe nothing. In fact, they may be some of the most spiritually minded and stable people in the church who built their house on the rock. Remember Job? 
Job's friends were convinced he was going through the trials he was going through because he must have sinned. He must have done something wrong. And even God himself declared Job as being righteous. Remember when the sons of God came before God that day and Satan came among them there in Job chapter 1? God said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? He is a righteous man in all all that he does. God's verdict of Job was Job was a righteous man. And yet God allowed Job to be tested. So again, don't ever look at somebody's life and if somebody doesn't seem to have any trials, you say, oh, they must be right with God. They're doing everything right. Somebody has a lot of trials, oh, they must be wrong with God. They must be doing something bad. That may not be the case at all. May not be the case at all. Jesus describes trials here in a very graphic way. Weather calamities, rain on the roof, flood on the foundation, winds against the walls. In other words, these two houses are being hit from every imaginable angle. And again, that's like life. We're tested in our faith, we're tested in our finances, we're tested in our families. And sometimes, as Hebrews 12 points out, we're tested because God is using tests to discipline us. Test hit us from every angle imaginable. And plus we live in a fallen world where bad things simply happen oftentimes to people that we would call very good people. We live in a fallen world. But Jesus' point here is that it's trials, it's storms that are going to end up revealing what your foundation is. Don't miss that. Again, folks, notice, both homes looked okay until the storms hit. As long as the sun was out and the breeze was gentle, everything appeared to be just fine with both houses. Life is easy as long as everything is going your way. Here's two men, these builders. Let's even say they, they belong to the same church. Maybe even work for the same company. They get up on Monday morning, put on similar suits and ties, get in similar cars, drive down to work, maybe pick up the same Bojangles country ham biscuit on the way to work. They get in the office, they talk about the latest sports things, and they might even talk about church the day before. And everybody would conclude, here are two men that are very much alike, very similar and they may be as different as night is from day because one is building his house on the rock and the other is building his house on sand. They're different. And what's going to make that come to light as those men go through life and experience trials? Trials are like a big, gigantic spotlight on your life. They're going to show you where your trust is. Is your trust in yourself or in the things of the world that's going to fail you every time or is your trust 
in Christ. It's the trials, the storms, the tests that are going to be the spotlight that will eventually reveal that in your life. And notice what Jesus said about the house built on the sand. It collapsed. But man, it was a cataclysmic collapse. Jesus said, and great was its fall. But the house on the rock, it stood. It stood. When applied to people, again, we see the same thing. You look at different people, different families. They look very much the same. You come to church and look around at the people on the pew in front of you, behind you, beside you. And you know what? You might notice, hey, these people look just like me. I look just like them. And we come and hear the same messages, maybe the same Sunday school material, same opportunity to hear. We go out the door, and folks, one of these days, Christ is saying, the way life turns out, whatever foundation you're built on is going to be revealed. It's going to come to light. Different outcomes different outcomes Jesus said the rain fell the floods came the winds blew and beat against that house it fell and great was the fall of it and you know what scholars are agreed on here they're agreed on the fact that what Jesus is speaking of here is the eschatological storm that's coming one day you say preacher what are you talking about eschatology end times eschatological storm end times when you're standing in judgment before the Lord when you're that man who's built his house on the sand and that eschatological storm you've breathed your last breath you're standing before the judgment seat of Christ and everything about your life is exposed that you never had your life built on Christ you're gonna suffer the greatest collapse imaginable as you hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you. There couldn't be any collapse greater than that. And you know what's, what's still even more astounding here? Again, as commentators point out, the rabbis of the day, they would have commonly said, you hear these words of the law and build your house on that. The law being the first five books of the Bible, the Ten Commandments. Many of the rabbis would have said you've got to build your life on the law. But no rabbi would have ever said, they would have never had the audacity to say, build your life on my words. But that's exactly what Jesus is doing here. He's going far beyond what a typical rabbi of the day would say. Jesus is saying, you are to listen to my words and build your life on my words and put my words into practice. How can Jesus say something like that? Because he's God. He's the Messiah. And so, dads, I want to ask you, have you built your life on him? And what he says, have you obeyed him? 
Jesus said, you want to know the one who loves me? The one who loves me is the one who obeys me. The one who does what I say. Have you built your life on him and his words? Have you put his words into practice? Or do you come and hear his words and kind of nod in agreement? They go in one ear and out the other. You leave and nothing ever changes about your life. Which is it with you? Which is it? Dads, your family's watching. My family's watching. It's like the little boy following his dad out to his car, his dad's car in a deep snowstorm one day, and the dad looked back and he noticed the little boy jumping from footprint to footprint and he said son what are you doing and the little boy said dad I'm trying to walk in your footsteps people are watching and dads the point of the message is not to stir guilt it's to stir introspection what are you building your life on And I hope this morning that's something that matters to you because you're shaping your own life as a dad, but you're also shaping other lives as well. And so what are you building on? Are you building on Christ in His Word? Are you listening to what He said, but more than listening, are you doing what He says? A couple of takeaways. Realize today, just summing up, that you are a builder. There is no way around it. Your life is under construction from your birth till the time you die. You're like a house under construction. You can't avoid that. It's just a reality that happens. And so what kind of builder are you? Are you wise or foolish because again there's only two kinds of builders I want you to understand today that hearing and knowing God's Word is a great privilege but it does not guarantee that you are a wise builder have you acted on God's Word have you come to Christ you know the sure mark of true conversion is that a person not only hears, not only attends church, but they put into practice God's truth in their life. John wrote about this in 1 John 2. He says, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says I know him but does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Powerful words. Am I speaking to a father here this morning? The greatest need in your life is for God to convert your soul. You're religious, but you know you've never been born again. 
2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And you know that's never happened in your life. Your life is the same old life it has always been. There's never been any point of change in your life. You need Christ. You need to ask him to do what you can't do. And that is to remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. To regenerate you from above, from the power of his spirit. Dads, call on him to do that in your life. I might be speaking to another dad who's done that. You've done that. And you know life is not easy just because you're a believer and you're building your life on the rock. Storms have come your way nonetheless. Again, they're a reality. You might be in one right now and you might want to come to this altar and say, God, you know I'm going through a storm right now that in my wisdom and my strength, I don't know what in the world I'm going to do. I need direction from you. And you know what? You'll get that direction. I'm not saying it'll come to you just at the drop of a hat like that. But if you're seeking God in the middle of that trial, seeking Him on your knees and in prayer and in His Word, I believe over time He's going to make so clear to you what you're to do in the midst of that trial. He's going to help you because you're His child. And He'll give you direction. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. Father, we thank you for this text about builders because it, it is so appropriate to every one of us. Every moment of every day, we're builders. We can't avoid it. Lord, help us to look with eyes of introspection, though, at what we're building on. Do we have the proper foundation in Christ? Have we tried to bypass that? There are some people that think, if, if I'm good enough, if I just go to church enough, if I check the right boxes, I, you know, Lord, reveal to some man here today, if, if there's a man doing that, that, he needs to be changed. He needs to be saved. Lord, help dads as there's so much tremendous responsibility on our shoulders today. And so many people are watching. And there are unbelievers even who want to know if our faith is real or not. And they'll watch us even when we don't realize they're watching. God, I pray that over time, they would see the real deal. And when we share our faith in Christ with them, they'll listen because they've seen the change in our lives. Lord, help families in this church. Help dads. As they're that spiritual leader for their home, I pray that they would not be negligent in that. I pray that they wouldn't turn to things in the world to try to satisfy them. 
Lord, keep our eyes focused and riveted upon Christ. That we can set the proper course for those who follow. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, please?